We approach your word with a sense of reverence and awe. Thank you for your presence here today, for permeating our very beings, saturating us with your holy anointing. It removes burdens. It destroys yokes. It heals bodies. We give you praise for speaking to us now through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. So one of the key things we're going to look at this morning is this, is are we prepared for what God has prepared for us? From the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 10, I want you to notice the last part of that verse. First part of it talks about how that we are His handiworks. And notice the last part, it says, we are taking paths which He prepared literally ahead of time. That we should walk in them, live in the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. One thing for thing, one thing for certain that we know is God is a God of preparation. He has prepared a city for you and I. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And on this side, he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We are to mimic, we are to imitate our God. Just as He is a God of preparation, we must prepare ourselves for the next seasons and the new seasons of life that He has for us. Being prepared for God's prepared blessings. The word prepare means to make all things ready. To put things in suitable order. It means to take the necessary steps or measures. You know, right now we're in the season of fall. How many of you pulled some sweaters out? How many of you done some things around the house perhaps to prepare for fall as it gets a little bit nippier in the evening? I want to take a look at some key components for preparation on our part. Number one, we must seek God for wisdom. Now Jesus is our wisdom. He has been made unto us wisdom. Amen? And wisdom is ours for the asking. Somebody says, well, I don't have wisdom. Well, no need to stay there. Ask him for wisdom. Let him ask of God that giveth deliberately all men and abradeth not, and wisdom will be given unto him. Amen. Now, in the book of Proverbs, it says this in chapter 4, verse 7, that wisdom is the principle or it is the primary thing. In other words, it is, it is of utmost importance in a believer's life. Say it with me, I have the wisdom of God. Now, we can draw this wisdom as we prepare our hearts for what God has for us. We can draw this wisdom through prayer. Through prayer. Now notice with me in Jeremiah chapter 33 and look at verse 33. This is a great verse of scripture. He says, call to me and I might answer you. No, No, he says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Now notice with me the word mighty things there means fenced in and hidden. Fenced in and hidden which you don't know, which you haven't distinguished yet, nor recognized, or have knowledge of, nor understand. And the Spirit of the Lord prompted me with this phrase for you today, that prayer opens up things that have been fenced in. Things that are fenced in up here. You know, it's so easy for us to become head conscious rather than Holy Spirit conscious. To live out of here rather than to live out of here. Now here's what prayer does. 
praying out of our heart opens up the things that have been fenced in and makes it clear and distinguishable to our mind. Amen. Say with me, things that have been fenced in become clear up here as I pray. So what happens all of a sudden? Oh yeah, I see it. I see it. What you didn't see before because it was fenced in up here because you prayed out of here, now you see it. Amen. And when you see it, you can say, so be it. Be it unto me, according to the Spirit of God's leading. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. Let's track this together. We're talking about wisdom and prayer. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but who are we talking to? For no one understands or catches the meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and what kind of things? So as you're praying in the Spirit, or as you're praying by the help of the Holy Spirit, glory to God, secret and hidden things are being uttered. They're not obvious to the understanding. Now, did you wear your shouting clothes? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. What it says there is that in the Spirit, you're speaking mysteries. At one point, it's a mystery. But thank God the mysteries are revealed as we live out of here. Now notice here, I want you to read this, guys. This is awesome. Ready, read. But as it is written, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love. Now if we stop right there, we could get bummed out. But he didn't stop there. Read verse 10 with me now. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now say with me, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of knowing lives in me. Now notice verse 12. Let's read it. Read it like you mean it. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know. Glory to God. I like to shout right there. Hallelujah. Man cannot find the will of God on his own. Man, with their best efforts, cannot discover the plan of God without the Spirit of God. But you and I are not like natural men. We are supernatural men, supernatural women, created in the image and likeness of God, with the greater one on the inside of us, who reveals and gives us the spirit of knowing and the spirit of seeing. Put your hand over your heart and say with me, I have the spirit of knowing. I know what I need to know and I have the spirit of seeing I see what I need to see I have the mind of the Lord I have the mind of Christ is it important to get the mind of the Lord on every matter in our life see direction for a new season. See, to move out of one season oftentimes into the next 
We must determine our direction. And we must have vision. In Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by their head. No, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, we all know that there is a way that seems right to our, to our head. There's a way that seems right to man. But the end thereofs are not the ways of God. They are the ways of death. Therefore, we must not live out of good ideas, but we must live out of God's ideas. Say with me, your will be done. We must have vision. See, vision is not only about having a dream, but it's about being able to see. Seeing what God is saying. Seeing who He is to you. Seeing where He's leading you. Seeing past the obstacles that the devil will throw in your way. And then seeing that there's always something to look forward to. I say by the Word of God, you need to get happy because God's got some great things in your future. Glory to God. I say by the word of the Lord, let there be about 15 seconds of rejoicing and praising because God's got some great things. Glory to God. Don't just sit there, lift up your hands and give God some praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Good things. Great things. Woo! Say of me, great and glorious things are coming my way. I believe that in my heart and I say it with my mouth and I always have what I say. So I say it again boldly. Great and glorious things are coming my way. Great and glorious things are in my future. I prophesied over your life. In Jesus' name, the will of the Lord be done. For the goodness of God and the mercy of God will show up every day of your life. Lift your voice up and praise me, saith the Lord, and you will know the goodness of God and the mercy of God every day. Amen. Glory to God. That's for all of us. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So number one, wisdom. Number two, prayer. Number three, vision. Amen? And then another key component, another principle for being prepared for what God has prepared for us is the word process. You will notice that in your life, in our lives, we will move into our new seasons sometimes by steps. By process. In Psalm 37, it says, The steps of a good man, they're ordered of who? Of the Lord. They're ordered by our commander in chief. And as we busy ourselves in those steps, and as we walk in each step, your commander in chief continues to lead you and guide you into more steps into great new seasons of your life. Everyone say, but sometimes, most of the time, there's a process. Now, the word process means a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. 
It also means a procedure, an operation, an action, an activity, or an exercise. Now, here's one thing I know about myself, and I know about human nature, so I'm pretty sure I know it about all of you. We love the end result. But the process? Not so much. Did you know that the best biscuits are not in a can? The best biscuits are homemade. Brenda makes me a beautiful chicken noodle soup when it starts getting a little cold out. Now, we can get noodles in the package, but the best noodles are when Mama gets in the kitchen and starts working with them noodles. Amen. The best pudding is not instant. And the best businesses... The ones that have long-term success, I'll guarantee you, there's always a process involved. The process is taking the steps. It might be education. Somebody says, well, I'd like to, I'd like to sell some homes. Well, you're not going to sell a home without a real estate license. I am not going to sell my home with you working for me if you don't have a license. And in order for you to get a license, you need to go through a process. Amen. Now, some of us have had procedures. We've gone into the doctor's office. I'm glad the doctor didn't come in and say, what are we doing here today? (laughs) Sir, did you get an education? No, but I've got the name. I'm a doctor. Well, no, you're not for me. (laughs) See, there's a process. There's a process. A lot of folks want to get married. I mean, they just run to Reno and they run to Las Vegas. And, you know, what stays in, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Does that mean if you get pregnant in Vegas, the baby stays in Vegas? Uh Uh-oh. Huh. You know, I got to get married. I got to get married. Why don't you just hold on there, tiger, and get yourself some premarital counseling and go through the process. And at the end of that process, then you'll be willing and ready and able to go into your new season. Amen. Premarital counseling is good. Even if you're married, marriage counseling is a good thing. Somebody says, we don't have problems. You don't have to have problems in your marriage to get counseling. You don't have to have problems in your life to just run some things by someone because as you do, you sometimes will go through a process and your marriage and your life will even get better and even get greater. And that's good preaching. And then there's a lot of folks that want to get their healing. They want to get their healing. And I believe in the season of suddenlies. And I believe in God doing some immediate things. But I also believe in the principle that sometimes we need to park and we need to hear. So that faith can come. And when faith comes, the healing comes. You'll see over and over again through the word of God that many came to Jesus to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So sometimes there is that process. There's that process. There are so many gimmicks out there and so many fads out there on how to lose weight. I, one, one of the most infamous ones is that thing that they'd put around your stomach and you'd turn it on, your stomach would go like that. And after about 5,000 jolts, you, used, you lost two ounces. You know, there's, there's the latest pill. 
There's the Garcinia Cambosia. There's this. There's that. There's all this stuff. Everybody wants to lose weight instantly. I mean, don't you? No? Okay, great. But you see, there is the process. There's the process. There's the process. How many of you have exercise and equipment in your home that you haven't used for three years? It's not going to do you any good. We must go through the process. And a part of going through a process is being diligent and doing your due diligence. You know, this building that we're in, it was a six-screen movie theater, as many of you know. And we purchased this building in 2003. Well, we didn't have church in it till August of 2007. So what happened then, Pastor Mark, in four years? We were going through a process. We were going through the process of approval. We were going through the process of making sure that the building was earthquake safe. So we had to have structural engineers in here. We were going through the process of obtaining a loan to receive the kind of money that it took to buy a building with five acres on it. It was a process. Now, I remember back in 2003 when we bought it, we had one of our church members was so excited, really a great guy, and I don't mean it wrong or anything like that, but he went, walked over here, drove over here when this was still a movie theater and they were having you know shows in here. He walked over here and went up to the front desk and he said, look, you guys need to be out of here in a week or so because we're moving in. <laughs> see, see he, didn't, he didn't know anything about the process. Nothing about the process. You'll find that during these processes in our life, God does some awesome things in us. He develops us in areas that we may need development in. One of the major areas that I needed development in, in my life, and still do, is patience. Right? Why? Because we want what we want and we want it now. Right? We want what we want and we want it now. We don't want to wait. We want it today. But you see, patience is a virtue. Endurance is a virtue. And in those seasons of patience and endurance, God begins to work godly qualities and characters in your life. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. You know, I've seen this with ministers. You know, they have a tendency sometimes to look at people that have been in ministry for 40 and 50 years and they look at the influence that they're having and they look at all the things that God has used them in and they think that they can get there just by doing and preaching some of their sermons. No, they went through a process. We go through a process of growth. We go through a process of development before we can enter into new seasons. Are you listening to me? And so what we need to do then is we need to be diligent and to do our due diligence. You know, Nehemiah, how many of you are familiar with the story of Nehemiah? Let's look over at Nehemiah. I didn't look at this in the first service, but if you could bring it up there. um, I think it's Nehemiah chapter 1, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, let's look at verse 11 of Nehemiah, the first chapter. If it's not the first, it's the second. Stand by. Somebody's singing, Stand By Your Man. That's Brenda. 
Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11. And uh, let's look at chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. So here's the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was called by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been absolutely destroyed. I mean, absolutely destroyed. They were in such disarray. And Nehemiah was called by God to go to that place and to rebuild the walls. Now notice with me. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there for three days. It doesn't sound like he was in a hurry, did it? Verse 12. And I arose in the night. And I and some few men with me. I think it's interesting that Nehemiah didn't go out into broad daylight to do his research. He went out by night. And I saw this as I was preparing this. Sometimes it's beneficial for us not to let everybody in on what we're up to. So we see he went out at night. Sometimes you've got to keep some things quiet. You've got to keep some things under wrap. Amen. And a few good men or a few good women around you is good. But you know, when you're about to go into a new season that God has got for you, you do not need the opinion of carnal men. You do not need the opinion of carnal women. I said carnal. I'm not talking necessarily about worldly. I'm talking about people that are even born again that are carnal. A carnally minded man cannot give you the kind of input that you need in a decision that is in the process of being made. Come on, somebody. But in the multitude of wise counselors, there is safety. Amen. And so we see that he went out by night. I don't always reveal to everyone around me what I have in my heart. See, there's a timing for some of these things. There's the timing to be sure-footed in what you're doing. If you're not sure-footed in what you're doing and you let everybody know what you're thinking about doing, the whole thing can get messed up just like that. Are you listening to me? Say with me, thank God for the wisdom of God. So he said, I arose in the night. He got there. He was doing his due diligence. He was going through the process. I and some few men with me. Neither I told any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode on. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley and even before the dragon wall and the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under to pass, pass by. Then I went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went, nor what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Are you seeing this principle? Verse 17. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are now in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come. 
let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. I'm telling you, once you have it in your heart, then it's the time to announce it. Then it's the time to declare it. Notice verse 20 of chapter 2. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore we are His servants. We will arise and build. Hallelujah. Arise and build. And so number one, wisdom. Number two, prayer. Number three, process. Number four, be willing to make adjustments. In other words, be open. You know, you may head out in a direction, but all of a sudden the Lord takes you on another direction. That's being yielded to. That's being submitted to the Holy Spirit. You see, He knows the end from the beginning. He knows your future better than you know your past. But if we get mule-headed and we become stubborn and say, you know what, this is the way that it's going to be. This is the way we've done it for the past 20 years. And this is the way it's going to be. We can miss a new season. And so being open and being yielded to the Holy Spirit is an absolute great, great thing to do. I read something by Joyce Meyer recently. I want to read it to you. Before you and I can move forward into a new thing, we usually have to let go of something we've been doing for a while. Then she goes on to say, all too often we try to hang on to what is familiar before we have confidence that the new thing is right for us. Now listen to this. This is worth your drive. If you keep one foot where you are, while the other foot stretches towards someplace new, you will eventually lose your footing and fall flat on your face. Here's what God wants. God wants us to trust Him by doing what He wants us to do and going where He wants us to go. We must, Joyce says, learn to let go of what we have before we take hold of something new and learn to rely on God to meet all of our needs. Amen? Is there anything that possibly we need to let go of? Amen? Or how are we so perfect that we've arrived that we never, never need to check in with headquarters and examine ourselves? You know, it's a good thing to examine yourselves. The Bible doesn't say examine your neighbor. The Bible doesn't say judge your neighbor. Nowhere does the Bible tell me to judge Ray Jasper. The Bible says for me to judge myself and to examine myself. I can't do for Ray what God can do for Ray. Only God can do that and Ray can cooperate with that. And same thing is true here. And so it, it, it pay, oh man, it pays rich dividends, folks, to just take a look at your life and say, okay, what's going on here? What do I need to lay aside? What have I been doing that I don't need to do anymore? See, the Bible says to lay aside the weights and the sin which does so easily beset us. I'll guarantee you, you do not want to go into your new season with weights on you. You do not want to go into your new season like this. You want to go into your new season like this. Ready, willing, and able for God to do a new thing in your life. Amen? 
So whatever adjustments need to be made, just make them. Amen. Sometimes it's an adjustment in our attitudes. Other times it's an adjustment in our love walk. You know, sometimes we see things and we're so tempted to talk about things and people that it just absolutely drains us of anything and everything that God wants to do in our lives. So we must pass some tests before we go into new seasons. One of the biggest tests that we need to pass is a continual flow of walking in love. A continual flow of walking in the life of God and in the love of God. Now lastly... This one is very, very important. As you're preparing for your new season, be faithful right where you're at. Be faithful right where you're at. God does not have any express blessings. God does not have any express lane for people who are unfaithful to get to a place where they're abounding and have abundance of blessing in their life. Look at Luke chapter 16, if you would. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. Look at your neighbor and say, man, this is a good word. I'm getting something today. Glory to God. Be faithful what He's got you doing. Amen. Even though what you are doing is not your end result, be faithful right where you are at. Because if you fail the faithfulness test, you may never get into the next season of your life. Amen. In Luke chapter 16, in verse 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also where? In much. If you want to go to much, you've got to be faithful in the least. Amen. Now notice, it says... He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or with money, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? Let's just talk about money for a moment. Did you know that you will do exactly with the million dollars that you're doing with 10? You do exactly with $100,000 that you are with $1,000. If you're not tithing on the ten, you will not tithe on the thousand. If you're not tithing on the thousand, you won't tithe on the hundred thousand. If you're not tithing on the hundred thousand, you won't tithe on the million. So, in a sense then, you have failed the money test. And have not been faithful in that which is least. Boy, it just got quiet in here. Most people, if they got a million dollars, they wouldn't be in church for six months. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be in church. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody's name here now. They wouldn't, it, it, six months. Where'd they go? They went to the Bahamas. Six months later, they're back at the altar crying, I've spent it all, Jesus forgive me. Well, he will forgive you. But God's best would have been for you to tithe on the million, amen, stayed in church, and then gone to the Bahamas. The choir is singing hallelujah. I'm getting heaven's help right now. It's a matter of being faithful. It's a matter of being faithful. You know, everybody knows that the man of God, wearing the suit, preaching the gospel, needs to be faithful. 
Yes, amen, Pastor Mark's been faithful for 40 years. He's been in the middle. Oh, we love our little pastor. Oh, he preaches. Oh, he's faithful. Well, thank God for the grace of God to be faithful. But I don't find in the Word of God that just the pastor needs to be faithful. I don't find in the Word of God that Jesus comes up just to pastors and ministers and says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He comes to all of us based on what we've done here with what He's given us. Come on, somebody. Amen. Him, oh boy, this is strong. Are you ready? Him that knoweth to do good. Him that knows to serve. Him that knows to tithe. Him that knows to pray. Him that knows to be faithful. And does it not? To him and his sin. But thank God you can repent. I'm going to receive tithes here in just a moment here. You can repent. And you can turn and you can say, look, maybe the reason why there's been no fruit in my life is because I haven't been faithful with what God's given me. Maybe things have gone south in my life because of some things that I've known to do that I haven't done. Now, may there be no cloud of condemnation in God's house today. But may there be Holy Spirit correction. There's a vast difference between condemnation and correction and conviction. Amen. And so it is vital then to be faithful in that which is little so that we can be faithful and found ready for what He has for us in our new season. Verse 12, it says this. And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's... I mean, this is the ministry that God has given all of us, you understand? But primarily, this is the ministry that God has given Brenda and I. We're not the owners of this ministry. We're stewards of it. And you that are with us, and I know that you are, you that are with us need then to be faithful with us. For if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? How many of you want your own? How many remember that song, God bless the child that's got his own? Amen. Do you like that song? I'd sing it if I could. But God bless the born again believer who is so sold out for Jesus, who is faithful in that which is little. God bless the born-again believer who is a person who qualifies to have their own. Hallelujah. You are His own. And as His own, He cares for you and He watches over you. Amen. Now listen. I enjoy a huge table a, a huge banquet table. Anybody enjoy that? God says, I have put before you a six-course dinner. You see, on God's table, there's not just healing and righteousness and joy. On God's table, there's new seasons. There's new seasons. There's new relationships. Come on, somebody. There's new territory. There's new things. And on God's table... There's so much. But here's the thing. 
being faithful, part of that is mean you've got to show up. You've got to show up to the table to partake on and to partake in what He's prepared for you on His table. Amen. Did you guys get anything out of this today? Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody says, yeah, but I've been so disappointed. I've been so disappointed. Well, thank God, God's got a new appointment for you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for the word of the Lord. Glory to God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. So this is the ending message on our series called Seasons. Next week I'm going to start a brand new series called Stronger. Stronger. Amen. But I want you to pray with me right now. I know there were some real direct things today that were said. And I believe that you know, all of us need to be open to the Holy Spirit to make any adjustments that may need to be made. Amen. Put your hand over your heart and pray this to me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. And we're asking you for wisdom for all the seasons of life. You said in your word that I could ask. And so I ask and I receive. Lord God, I choose to pray now out of my heart, out of my spirit, so that those things which have been fenced in and those things that have been hidden shall be revealed to me to where I say strongly that I know it and I see it in Jesus' name. Just spend about 30 seconds or so just praying in the Spirit or praying out of your heart. Just practice the presence of the Lord.